Welcome everyone to Mixed Feelings, a Yonsei Podcast Network miniseries. Throughout the series, we'll be exploring different aspects of mixed identity with special guests. I'm Hiro, and I'll be your host for today. For those of you that don't know, I'm currently living in Japan. For the last year and a half or so, I've ridden a roller coaster of crises as I wrestled with how I identify and how those around me perceive me. If you couldn't guess it already, today we'll be chatting about being mixed while abroad. Happy to be joined today by my good friends Ayako Tischler and Ryan Scanlon. Ayako is a mixed race Shin Nikkei and was raised in the Midwest. Her Detroit suburb hometown is also home to a large Japanese expat community, so she is very lucky to have access to Japanese schools, supermarkets, and restaurants. In the last few years, she has been learning about the Japanese American community and has been lucky to connect with many JAs throughout the JCL and Tadaima. She has spent time abroad in Japan and South and Central America and also loves to explore the outdoors. She currently resides in Washington, D.C. and also works in the clean drinking water industry. Welcome to the podcast, Ayako. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. And our other guest for today is Ryan. Ryan is a sansei on his mother's side. His grandmother immigrated from Japan post-World War II and married an Okinawan American in the States who he grew up to know as his grandfather. Ryan has felt that his identity as a Japanese American has left him in a weird place at times where it's been a part of his identity and experience growing up, but he has always felt like an imposter in the community, even though he shouldn't feel that way. Um, His first major trip was to Japan when he was an adult, which helped him find more of a sense of self through travel and identity. Now, when Ryan sent me his bio, he told me that he hasn't accomplished too much, and that's okay. However, I personally want to mention that it was because of Ryan's help that we were able to establish a Nikkei Student Union at our school in San Francisco. He's truly a great guy, and I'm really glad he's able to join us today. Happy to have you here, Ryan. Thanks for having me. I'm stoked to be here. Thank you. Thank you. So, yeah, thank you again to both of you for joining us, and let's go ahead and jump right into it. So since this episode is all about like our time abroad, let's just talk about where have you lived or visited um, outside of the U.S. and how long were you there for? So um, I pretty much the large majority of my life I lived in San Francisco or like the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, I haven't explicitly lived abroad. It's one of my goals. Uh, I lived in New York City recently, though. Just moved back. That's pretty much it. I've I've been to Japan twice, and also um, there's like a direct flight from like United Airlines to like Korea. So once I like first went to Japan, I kind of got like the itch for a little bit of travel, and I noticed that that was like kind of uh, logistically kind of easy. So that was another major destination of mine. Um, and I, I guess for background, yeah, I was raised in the Midwest, so literally leaving any time feels like culture shock. But in terms of abroad, uh, I 
spent a lot of time in Japan, but mostly just where my family's from. So the only time I've spent in Japan outside of um, Tokyo and Guma was uh, really up north, um, actually even north of Sendai. Um, and I was there for three, four months. And I've also yeah spent a few months here and there in Tokyo. Um, I've been to Hong Kong, but that was just a short week and a half trip. Um, I spent a few months in Peru, a little bit of time in Honduras, and then in uh, Mexico, specifically Mexico City. And Canada, because I'm so close to it being from Michigan. <laughs> As for myself, uh, like I mentioned earlier, I'm currently living in Japan. I've been living here for about almost two years. We'll be going home soon. Um, been living in Kyushu, specifically in Kumamoto, um, in a pretty countryside, Inaka-like area. Um, <laughs> and aside from living in Japan, I've also lived in London, or I guess England, um, for summer. It was during like a study abroad program. But yeah, that's that's where I've been. It's really cool that everyone's been able to travel and visit these places. And obviously, I'm sure we've had a lot of different experiences in these places. And um, that makes me kind of curious to find out, as somebody of mixed backgrounds, how did people really treat you when you were in these like places? For me, I think, um, I guess maybe for a little additional context, when I was uh, spending, I think it was maybe three months in Peru. Um, I was in Cusco, which um, there is a, a significant-ish Asian population uh, and even specifically Japanese Peruvian population, but that's not in Cusco. And also we were uh, in between Cusco and a little bit more of a rural area. So just for some kind of like context in terms of the specific area I was in, it was very... Um, exciting I think for a lot of people not only to see Americans which by and large were like white Americans um, but also just to see I guess <laughs> Asian people and I know that in some um, groups I can pass as white but then in some I look very Asian and I think uh, plopping me into the middle of Cusco where most people are ethnically Peruvian um, was like a very it was very obvious that I was not Peruvian and also like not just a white I shouldn't say just but not a white American and um, so I feel like for me it was just a lot of um, questions a lot of times but it it didn't really feel like it was there was any like malicious anything malicious intent or anything like that it was mo mostly curiosity um, kind of similar in Honduras um, but then, you know, in Mexico City, that it's, isn't it like one of the mega cities? I don't know. It's it's so full of tourists, very diverse. So I didn't really feel like I had any specific experience because of my mixed race. But um, I'm sure we'll get into it later. But I think the the most formative <laughs> uh, experience was in, in Peru because I definitely felt very uh, different there. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think immediate like I should start on the premise that like I never really felt like malicious intent from everyone, but I I felt really similar where I'm I'm thinking of Japan specifically, but I felt like um my experience could be defined by a lot of privilege because I feel like um in some ways people would kind of uh give me a little bit of I don't want to say the word preference, but maybe like 
favor me a little bit more just because they're like, oh, well, this person does have a Japanese background, but um, he can also like he can live in between both worlds where he he can be our foreigner friend and he 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 can be like the American that like we have around. But he's also like kind of like is a little bit Japanese. So I felt like um, in some ways um, I did benefit a little bit from that. And so I went to like a pretty white high school in San Francisco. And I feel like um, it kind of did make me think like being othered or not necessarily being othered, but I definitely just did feel like being Japanese was definitely like a defining characteristic or part of who I was. But then when I, when I got to Japan, I'm like, okay, I'm definitely, I'm pretty far from like what it actually means to be like Japanese, just in the context of being a Japanese national. I can definitely relate to the Japan thing of like, it was so cute for everyone that I got to be like just Japanese enough to like be part of the the fun, but also obsessed, absolutely obsessed with me being American and specifically I'm half white. Um, like to the point where I have an American name and people would like actively choose to use that when introducing me because it was like kind of like a flex, like, oh, and this is our this is our friend Lauren. And I'm like, that's not my name. So I could definitely I definitely feel that on the the visiting Japan as a like mixed race individual. It's really interesting that you bring that up, Ayako, because a lot of like the people I knew prior to moving to Japan that were in Japan that knew me by my first name, Francisco. Um, to this day, still call me Francisco, even though I'm like, I haven't gone by the name Francisco yeah. for like eight years. Like, I just go by Hiro now. You can call me Hiro. Even my own family here in Japan will introduce me to other people as like, like, oh, this is Frankie, Francisco. Uh, uh, like, he yeah. is our, he's our American cousin, you know? Oh, that's so real. <laughs> that's so real. Like, even my grandparents in email, when they talk to me, it's always Ayako. The second that it's like to anyone but our family, it's like Lauren. And where did yeah. you get that from? Yes, like, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. I totally yeah. understand. Um, but yeah, um, in terms of like my own um, experiences, like abroad and stuff like that, in London, um, similar to how you're saying how diverse are like how many like people come to Mexico City from all around the world. So there's a little bit more um, of a diverse population there. In London, didn't really have any like major experiences where people were like, whoa, you're you're mixed or something like that. But um, here in Japan, it's pretty common for me to like get a lot of reactions regarding like my mixed background. Um, even just yesterday, um, I was meeting some Japanese nationals and like I feel like the whole conversation just revolved around me being mixed and like what does that mean for like citizenship what does that mean for like um where i'm from and stuff like that and yeah just a lot of questions surrounding that again i also agree um not to not it wasn't done in any like malicious um sense but it is kind of interesting to just that's like the defining trait <laughs> that, mm. that I'm supposed to carry while, while I'm here in Japan, you know, um, even though like, I don't necessarily want that to be like the one thing people remind, uh, like remember me for, I guess, you know? No, yeah. So that's interesting. Cause I know we're both from California and I feel like my experience here is like, if I, once, 
once I say I'm mixed or like I say something that kind of implies it, people are just kind of, for the most part, they're like, oh, okay. And it yeah. like kind of like ends at that. But then like <sighs> in, like what you said in Japan, it's kind of like it becomes like its own topic. Or even when I was living on the East Coast, I feel like it also had that similar experience where it kind of c- became this topic or it became this recurring thing that like people like started to talk about. So I'm also, I'm curious about uh, your experience, Aiko, um, in the Midwest too, what, what that was like for you. Yeah. I mean, specifically, I'm not from Chicago or like the Twin Cities or somewhere relevant. I'm from a suburb of Detroit. And so it's very much the latter of what you're saying of like, tell me more. Or or I would get a lot, which I kind of appreciated was, I have another mixed Asian friend. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> thank you. But, but at the end of the day, like I appreciated that because I was looking for a community, but very much um, people wanted to really dive into that topic. And and by and large, I was happy to share about it. But as you're saying, Hero, being abroad, like to be re- like repeating that over and over for the whole conversation to be about you or yeah, your nationality and whatnot is just like, sometimes it gets tiring, but maybe maybe being in the Midwest prepared me to be launched into like really Inaka places abroad because sometimes it feels like the Midwest <laughs> is the middle of nowhere. No shade. I love the Midwest, but Yeah. <laughs> So speaking of all these like experience and stuff like that, I know like most of the time there's like no malicious intent or anything like that. But has there been any moment while abroad that you felt like there was some sort of malicious intent, whether it be like racism, fetishization, or like invalidating moment? I I mean I don't think this was malicious. I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt, but there was one time I was trying to get uh, okonomiyaki. It was like is in a place where there are like several uh stalls i'm there like um with my friend who's white and we go to try to sit down and like in perfect english he's like oh if you're not japanese he's like what's the point of you sitting here and he's like well you won't be able to hold a conversation and i'm just like well for me i was like really bummed because i'm like no but like I'm like okay I know I'm not fully Japanese but like I am Japanese so that kind of bums me out a little bit but I was like okay well whatever it's kind of understandable if this is like a social thing or they're just trying to like chat with each other then I kind of get that there are also other options so didn't really think too much about it and then the other experience again which I really I don't think it had malicious intent was um on that same trip with uh same friend there was like this group of um skaters that we're hanging out with and um i did notice that like when i tried to like use japanese phrases or like speak a little bit of japanese they would like correct me or like my pronunciation but they wouldn't do it for my other friends because they also knew i was mixed and i was like whoa i didn't really mind it but i was like why are you scrutinizing me not him didn't, I also did not think it was really malicious intent, the the latter story. You're way too nice, dude. The first story, I was like, no, that was like straight microaggression. That's wrong. Like, <laughs> damn, that's yikes. I Sorry to hear that and also can very much empathize. I think my experience in Japan is like uh, similar in the way where the I don't get any, um, what's the word? Like no one cuts me any slack in terms of like I should like, be perfect no, no Japanese. Break, yeah. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. And like 
yeah, perfect Japanese, um, like uh, even down to the way I like hold my chopsticks, which now has been corrected, but back in the day was like really bad and people pointed out like, oh, listen, I like, grew up in Michigan. <laughs> like, um, yeah, I can definitely feel that. But yeah, for me, I, before going to Peru and also Honduras, I was told by well, specifically a lot of my Peruvian friends that there's like a nickname that many Peruvian people will use, or even I think it's kind of by and large, a lot of Spanish speaking communities um, that is like not meant, it's not coming from like, well, actually I shouldn't speak for them. I don't know. I, they were saying to me that it's not like a racist term or anything, but it's very much like a nickname that's used across all specifically East Asian looking people. And they're like, you're going to hear it a lot. You're going to get it a lot. Definitely got it a lot. Um, but I, I still like kind of, thinking about how different the United States is from somewhere like Peru and specifically in Cusco where a lot of folks don't have exposure to, maybe they've never traveled. Maybe a lot of times there's not a lot of Asian folks or actually there is not a lot of Asian folks around them. And so it's also just like the exposure that they've had to some of these like conversations or like, you know, is it right to call people by this nickname? Like I kind of give a, maybe benefit of the doubt is the term, but like it didn't feel harmful because there was, this is problematic, but there's no like harmful action with it. It was like kind of a endearing was the, the motivation, like to kind of, yeah, I don't know all that to say if I hadn't been briefed on that, like that, you know, there's this nickname and you're going to get called it and it's going to maybe feel racist, but it's not coming from a racist place. I probably would have had a very different reaction and that's just my experience. Like I was, I, like I said, there was no like action that came along with these nicknames. It was usually like my host mom called me. It was very, it was like, I guess supposed to be endearing, but other than that, it was like, yeah, again, I feel very lucky. It was not a lot of negative experiences. I will say a lot of times it was like, people would just forget, even though I told them a million times that I was Japanese, that they were like, oh, she's Chinese. I'm not Chinese. <laughs> um, and again, I think that just has a lot to do with like the exposure that they've been able to have to people of like various Asian ethnicities, right? It's very different from me in the United States. And I think the concept, and maybe this is because my Spanish was bad, but me trying to explain the concept of being like, I can have a nationality and an ethnicity and those don't necessarily like it was really hard to try to explain um, how I can be American, but also Japanese, but have been raised in the United States. And like, that was just really difficult to explain. So a lot of times people would just like, either just drop the me being American or drop me being Japanese. Like I couldn't be both. It was like one or the other. Um, but again, that's like, I don't know, feel like harmful in any way or anything like that, but maybe a little bit invalidating, um, but I don't think intentionally. I kind of feel like my whole experience living here in Japan, like if a if my time here could be sponsored by a certain phrase, it's been benefit of the doubt. <laughs> and I think it, a lot of it's just like when I explain to people that I'm mixed here in Japan and I let them know that like, oh, I'm part Mexican. The first things like they'll bring up is like tacos. Oh, beer. And I'm like, I I know that Japan, it's not a very diverse country. 
So a lot of like Japanese nationals will not be educated on like different cultures and stuff like that. And here in the Inako where I live, like a lot of people's knowledge of other cultures are like based upon like stereotypes. So I feel like in terms of racism or like um, it has primarily been just like a stereotype being thrown at me and being like, well, no, not really and me trying my best to like explain to those individuals that like that's not something people say and stuff like that or or do in terms of like invalidation in japan um when i tell somebody like i'm japanese and then i also let them know i'm american and i'm mexican and they're like ah oh, you can't be all three you like you have to be one you know um and uh there are times in which um people like won't even refer me as nikkei they'll just refer me as just like just american that's all you need to be defined as and um you know i think um from the american perspective growing up in america and stuff like that uh we we hold a lot of pride and and identity within um our our backgrounds our ethnicities so um it is difficult at times or it does feel invalidating at times when like abroad when people kind of like want to strip that away and just focus on the fact that like you're american or maybe in their eyes like you're more of that other mixed like like in my case like oh like we'll focus on the fact that you're american or mexican but uh we'll just kind of like overlook like the japanese side but i will say like that situation for me is like far and in between like it's it's not very common for me either mm-hmm. um and maybe i maybe i'm just being hopeful in thinking that japan is slowly becoming more accepting of other cultures and mixed people um but who knows yeah i think it's really hard to explain the concept um again just speaking from my experience like both um in Peru and in Japan too, the concept of a a distinct identity being like Japanese American being a distinct identity. And that can be a third thing that is not perfectly, Mm -hmm. I shouldn't say perfect. That's a weird way to say it. Not mainland Japanese, but it's also not the, uh, I don't know, like typical good old American, like, you know, to have a being raised in a um, multiracial household or, growing up feeling othered or whatever it may be, or, or growing up really proud of your Mexican identity or your Japanese identity or whatever it is. Like that is something that was so difficult for me to understand, or sorry, to explain. Um, and again, maybe there's like a language barrier to this as well, but it was just so hard to get that through to people. But again, I think for, at least for my experience, more so in Peru is like simply because they've never had been exposed had exposure to to someone who was mixed and specifically mixed like asian and like white american um so yeah now we, we've been chatting about like these moments of like invalidation um and i, I would say I, I suppose i would say like ignorance within within these situations um and sometimes, like, obviously, these, these situations can leave, like, a little bit of an icky feeling on the inside and such. So um, when you do come across these type of things, has there been anything you, that you've done to kind of, like, cope with these negative experiences to, like, move past them and uh, make sure that you are doing fine mentally um, so that you can move forward and continue uh, on with whatever it is that you may be up to? I think education, like... 
I think specifically like in my case where I'm like, I I'm feeling like I'm um, who I am is not really willing to be fully accepted. I feel like um, my reaction to that is to be like, Oh, oh really? Okay. Well, I'm, I'm going to go back like home and like e- educate myself and um, try to understand my actual history of like where I came from and like, yeah, maybe like you're going to invalidate me or like not be able to recognize the nuance that comes um, with, I kind of, I'm thinking of like American identities in general, because I feel like it is such a melting pot, but I'm like not being able to recognize the nuance in that Well, I'm just going to educate myself further and be able to hold that conversation, maybe not with that person specifically, but like for myself. So I think that that was one of the reasons why I was like interested in um, starting the NSU with you, uh, Hero, and also just um, my major in college was mechanical engineering, which is pretty much as dry as it gets. But I, I continued to take um, a lot of Asian American identity courses and then some other ethnic study courses just because I'm, I saw it as like a personal. Um, personal empowerment i feel like you know no sense of self no history or no history no self the other way um for me it's definitely um immediately go and complain to my friends <laughs> i'm very lucky or i feel like i have a lot of friends who are mixed and even specifically mixed japanese and um can uh share a lot of these experiences or unfortunately i guess um, or, or like, I know one of the questions on here, it was like about a uh, time you've benefited. So also being able to celebrate some of the experiences of being mixed abroad. Um, but, but I, I like what you said about education because it can also like looking at the other side of things. It's like, why, why did I get that reaction? You know, is there something deeper here? Sometimes it's truly just people being awful. I feel like maybe, um, yeah, whatever, trying to actively like invalidate your identity. But then other times it's like, you know, maybe is there a, a cultural thing here? Is there a historical thing here? Is there, yeah, just truly like ignorance. Ignorance sounds so negative, but like lack of lack of education on their side, like trying to kind of understand that, not necessarily to like justify their actions, but kind of just more for myself to be like, oh, they're not truly an evil person. They just don't know, you know? Um, which I guess makes me feel better, but I don't know if that's the right <laughs> approach to take. I totally get that. And I feel like I've, I've used those approaches as well uh, for b- both sides of what you were talking about, Ryan, and what you're talking about, Ayako. I think um, along with those like type of coping methods, I've personally also just like to, in those moments in which I do feel invalidated, I think about the times that I am validated. Um, I think about, okay, um, this person here in Japan felt that I was not Japanese enough or didn't look Japanese enough, whatever that means. Um, but then I just think about, oh yeah, like I have full on conversations in Japanese every day. And, uh, when I'm in a group of foreigners, um, and somebody needs to ask a question, I'm the first person that they walk up to. So like I am the one that is like I don't know just like that I'm I'm perceived as being a part of like 
Japanese society to some extent. Um, and um, it's moments like those that I try to like focus on whenever I am feeling down that I'm not like, like enough, I guess. Um, but yeah, I think, I think just focusing on like the good as cliche as that sounds, it's just like, yeah, I think about like the good times um, when, whenever I come across these moments where I'm just not feeling great about uh, my sense of identity. Nice. So um, speaking of like those moments where um, you have like moments of validation and invalidation um, and like how per- people perceive you, uh, what would y'all say is like the biggest difference in how you perceive yourself and identity between being abroad and being in your home country? I think, well, I, I maybe, maybe I want to hear your guys' responses about from uh, in Japan versus the U.S. and maybe add on to that. But I do want to say in, again, in Peru and Honduras, for both of the areas I was in, I was like the first or one of the first Asian American, specifically mixed Asian American people that my friends and host family had met. And so actually I felt, it felt very, because I was one of the only, everything I said could, was true. Like, you know, it felt a little bit harder to invalidate me because they hadn't met other mixed people to like compare me to. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, so everything I said was like, oh, that's so cool. Or like that became truth. I think that's what I'm trying to say is like, because I was one of the first of their like acquaintances or whatever. Yeah. Everything I said was like taken as true and this is the way it is which maybe maybe that's bad like down the line some other mixed asian american would come up and be like compared to me but i'll say in that moment i felt like like i was like the bearer of all knowledge (laughs) and i felt very celebrated i guess maybe um at least in my in my home i did um but i'll say that's very different in japan so i would love to hear your guys's experiences in terms of like perceiving identity in japan versus the u.s so i think like in the bay area there's definitely like there's a it's a really like um at times you can be immersed in like kind of like this asian american centric um world or like universe and i think in some ways i that's when i can kind of feel a little bit more like i have imposter syndrome because um I feel like there is kind of like a little bit of like, how am I going to phrase this identity hierarchy? And by that, I mean, like, um, you know, there's like people who are first generation or people who are like, they're, um, they've been here like five generations. They don't like speak a word of, um, their, their ethnicities, um, respective language and i think to have like a little bit more nuanced of an identity in like that context um people it it can kind of just be like okay like whatever and i mean part of it too which i want to recognize is i'm really white passing and i i think um sometimes that can come off as like me trying to be like okay well i'm not like benefiting from white privilege I think because there is a lot of like um, mindfulness and there is a a little bit more privilege that just comes with being white passing here in the Bay area. I feel like um, there's a little bit more sensitivity to it, but then I feel like I was thinking of um, my experiences 
in Japan. And when you were talking about like more of the positives, Hiro, I kind of like when I was really thinking about it, I'm like, okay, yeah, like it's easy to like focus on like the times I felt like I was invalidated, but then there were like a lot of experiences where people like truly were like really accepting of me and people were like curious and accommodating to like hear like my story and like kind of like accept me for that. Did that make sense? I feel like I kind of like, I think, I think that makes a lot of sense. 7 a.m. thoughts. It's 7 a.m. there. Well, it's it's not 7 a.m. anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Um, In terms of how I perceive myself like in Japan compared to like back home in the U.S., admittedly, like I leaned a lot towards like my Japanese identity um, to to the point in which like back home, I always struggled with like, like, oh, like, am I not giving enough like time in my life to like my Mexican identity and, and learning about like my heritage and the history of like my, my Mexican American community? Because I, if people who know me know that like I spend like, like eight days of the week within like Japanese American like <laughs> community work and like studying Japanese American history and uh, working with Japanese American colleagues and like, I live in Japan now. <laughs> like so um I feel like back home um I perceive myself as mixed but I focused a lot on like my Japanese side which is like kind of interesting cuz in Japan I didn't expect myself to become more interested in my Mexican side while in Japan not to the extent where I'm like oh now I just only focus on my Mexican side but I do feel like um like my interest in like learning about my like two identities has like leveled out a little bit more and i think a lot of it just has to do with the fact that like there isn't a mexican community in my like area of japan nor is there a mexican community in most parts of japan um so as a result i feel like um i've become even more proud of my like um mexican heritage out here in japan because like um, a lot of times, like, I'll be the first person um, that a Japanese national will meet that is, like, Mexican. And so I use that as, like, a like, kind of like a teaching opportunity to teach them about, like, Mexican, like, heritage and to the extent of what uh, what history I do now. So, um, yeah, I think that's how I perceive myself here in um, in Japan. Um, but it's interesting enough. I also feel like my like perception of my Japanese identity has changed a lot in Japan too. Um, something that I actually did not realize until we started recording today is that all three of us are Shin Nikkei. Um, and I think in Japan, I've come to realize a lot of just like, oh my God, like, like I am Shin Nikkei, like back home. Like I never really understood like, I'm Shin Nikkei, but I'm just Nikkei still. It's like, we're all still Nikkei, but like being here in Japan and being able to like relate to like certain things more um, compared to how I felt like in the Japanese American community has been interesting. The whole Shin Nikkei conversation is like definitely something I, and this is all like very uh, raw thoughts because I haven't actually thought a lot about this, but um, it's interesting because in I've only been exploring the true like Japanese American community for the last few years, just because I was raised in this area where there's so many like Japanese 
national, I mean, I'm a Japanese national too, like people who were intending to go back to Japan. So that was my community. So I didn't know this, this JA community. I didn't even know that people referred to themselves as JA until just a few years ago. But sometimes within those communities, because, you know, unfortunately, there a lot of are bonded by a shared trauma. I feel like I shouldn't be talking about my Japanese-ness or my relationship to Japan or I was raised in a very like Japanese household, like things like that. I feel a little bit bad talking about um, and recognizing there's a lot of nuance and layers to that. Like a lot of it's internalized. Yeah. It's not like people are like, shut, shut up, don't talk about that. Um, but in Japan, it's the reaction is so different when I say that, you know, my whole family is in Japan or I spent summers here or whatever, whatever. I went to Japanese school. It's a little bit more, it's like very, it's a little bit like, it's kind of validating sometimes because they're like, oh, like we have shared experiences. Like, cool, you are Japanese, you know, whereas yeah. here I very often feel like I, I'm trying so hard to be Japanese American, like the distinct Japanese American identity, which is also awesome and also should be celebrated, but recognizing that I fall somewhere in between, in between that yeah yeah, yeah. And, and i don't want to and there's no like we don't have time to be breaking up into sections of like i'm this type of ja or i'm this type of ja like no we, we're all one community and we can find things to relate over in that but there's sometimes where i even and i think here i've talked to you about this this is like totally a tangent now but there's times where i feel like should i call myself ja like i feel like ja is like you know people whose families have been here and contributed to america and a lot of them were interned and things like that. And sometimes I'm like, dude, my mom just like landed here 20 years ago and was like, I mean, yeah, she's been through it, but like not, not through that. Um, so there's sometimes times where I'm like, oh, this is such a tangent, but there's times where I'm like, I probably shouldn't call myself Jay, blah, blah, blah. Okay, the end. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> no, no, I, I think, I think um, I'll, it, it's really important to have conversations like this. Like um, there's so many different levels that we can explore. Um, with like a being mixed and such like that and sometimes like um, I something that I think some of our other hosts will talk about is just like not only being mixed in terms of racially but ethnically and like generationally um, so it, it, it's it's all very like interesting topic to tackle and um, I'm really happy that um, we've been able to touch on not only like our mixed identities as like mixed racial backgrounds but also our generational like backgrounds and everyone this is a plug to go listen to the rest of the episodes of the young <laughs> podcast mixed feelings mini series because apparently they're going to talk about all this stuff <laughs> <laughs> okay um no i'm sorry i just one last thought i'm just i'm i'm pretty happy that you brought up the shinike topic because i guess i haven't really thought about it but I think that is really relatable because when I do meet JAs, I think one of very frequently one of the first questions I tend to get is, oh, what um, internment camp was your family at? And I'm like, oh, they they weren't mm -hmm. like that. That's not an experience that uh, my family had. So, you know, I, th I think sometimes that contributes a little bit to the imposter syndrome, but then also like. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't even know what a, a shinike was until um, until I met you, Hiro. So as I, I, I didn't really realize that was like a differentiating thing. But I mean, yeah, it definitely plays a part. 
I used to introduce myself as Nisei because I am, but didn't realize within the JA community that you, like, you'll say like Shin Nisei and that Nisei holds a lot of, like a lot of the Niseis were the ones that were in turn and like, I didn't realize that. And I used to like, just say that all the time. And people were probably like, what the hell? Like, no, you're not. <laughs> anyway, okay. <laughs> so as we approach the end of this episode, is there anything that either of you would like to bring up that you may have uh, forgotten to bring up earlier or anything like that regarding um, being mixed and um, visiting or living abroad? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, I think we talked a lot about like kind of bonding over the being kind of invalidated or sometimes how it's difficult to be mixed abroad, but I did want to just leave it on a kind of optimistic or happy note that I also feel like I was celebrated a lot, um, in certain, certain contexts, um, while abroad, like even specifically in, um, Peru and Honduras, there are Asian uh, Peruvian and Japanese Peruvian specifically communities. And because of that, I, because of my identity, I kind of got to get looped into those conversations and people were like extra excited to like show me uh, different fusion foods in Peru that were um, kind of from specifically Chinese um, immigrants. And like, that was really special. And that's something that a lot of my peers didn't get to experience. So celebrating that too, that um, being so open about my identity also meant that I got to like kind of connect in a different way than a lot of my peers. Mm, this is, yeah, my final thought that I didn't bring up. This is, you can edit this out because it's a little bit more on a uh, not, not so happy note, but like, um, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like as, as someone with a mixed background, you know, it's really only one side of my family where I'm like getting that culture and identity from. And, um, my mom, she like passed like right when I got back from Japan. And then I feel like what, what really was hard, like later on that I kind of was processing is that I'm like, you know, like all her family's gone by this point, but I'm just like, dude, like I, I don't really have any source of like that identity and culture, like in immediate vicinity to me. So I mean, right now I'm living in San Francisco, or not San Francisco, but I'm living in Oakland. And I, it's definitely like a goal of mine to spend more time in Japan and abroad because I feel like that's at, at this point, that's like really how I can um, get closer to my identity and culture. And I feel like I kind of like owe it to myself at this point. Um, I wasn't really going anywhere in particular with that, but yeah, that's it's a final thought that something that's been on my mind in the past year or so. You're doing the thing though. You're here talking about your identity. Like you also recognize that you're doing that right now. You know, it doesn't always have to be like a future, uh, I'll do it. I'll go to Japan. Like you're doing it right now. So celebratory. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, I really do appreciate um, you sharing that with us, Ryan. I know that's something that's very like personal. Um, and so thank you for opening up about that. And I, I also want to like just remind you that like it, the community is always here uh, with open arms to welcome you and help you along the way. And um, you've already done so many cool things. And uh, I'm super excited to see um what what's next for you and you you as well Ayako like both of you 
I, I think of uh, uh, as great individuals who are always up to cool, cool and amazing things. Um, it's always great to see y'all. Um, but yeah. Um, well, I just want to say thank you, everyone, for joining us today for this episode of Mixed Feelings. You can expect our next episode be released on August 7th, where we'll be joining Yoko and her guests for our miniseries finale as they talk about growing up mixed. So be sure to follow the Yonsei Podcast Network on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Also, don't forget to follow at Nikkei Rising on Facebook and Instagram for announcements and reminders, as well as updates on other Nikkei Rising programs. Thank you. The Yonsei Podcast Network is made by Hiro Odeza, Yoko Fedorenko, Michelle Heckert, Sachi Koide, Lauren Matsumoto, Johnny Narita, Matthew Wisebly, and Robbie Yoshikawa, with Mixed Feelings art done by Ren Maicha, and Mixed Feelings theme music by Michelle Heckert and Kyori Lokapi. <laughs>